Welcome to Literally Nothing Matters Podcast, where your new besties, Amanda and Caitlin, will chat openly about everything that no one is talking about, but everyone is secretly thinking. Together, we will debunk wellness trends, navigate relationships, and begin the journey to become the best versions of ourselves. At the end of the day, just remember, literally nothing matters. So grab your favorite beverage and meet us every Monday for our weekly date. Wait, did we just become best friends? Yep. Welcome back to the Literally Nothing Matters podcast where our visual and audio, audio visuals tend to go awry, but literally nothing matters. So here literally we are. Nothing matters. Oh my gosh. I needed that <laughs> reminder. I'm like, everything is going wrong. Our podcast is off the rocker. Life is off the rocker. You're like, it's okay. Thank I mean, you. like the perfectionist in me wants to be so crazy about all that stuff, which like clearly I'm not because I keep messing up every other episode, but like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not messing up it's learning okay it's yes it's the content that matters and the the thought behind the content and you know what we'll we'll fine-tune it as we go that's right that's right so friends that are listening thank you for waiting diligently for us um first we promised you an episode with mark and chad and then we said we would give you a different type of episode and then when it came up this morning, I listened to it and it was all jumbled. Like our audio was combined. So you couldn't hear us go back and forth. It sounded just just on top of each other. So I ended up deleting it. And now we finally get a second to sit down and redo our intro. So yes. we're happy to be here and we're just here to make it better. It is what it is. Mondays, am I right? Mon- I actually love Mondays. They're my favorite day of the week. Fun oh, fact. You're a terrorist. <laughs> I actually really don't mind Mondays anymore either because I work on Sundays. So Sundays are kind of like my Mondays. And then my Mondays are one of my shorter days of the week. So like, yeah, what's just, there to hate? Just all days. When you're like a mom, honestly, the, there's no such thing as a weekend anymore. Right. There's no such thing as a Friday. People yeah. are like, TGIF. I'm like, what? Right. You're like, what, <laughs> what does that doesn't mean? change anything? I still have to get up early tomorrow and yep. take care of a human. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we are here. So let's go through a quick intro. Why don't you start with your rosebud thorns? Fill us in on all of the goodies of your life. You have so okay. much stuff going on. Do I? <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, um, my rose is that I'm going to flow rider to not tomorrow. Damn. Wednesday. <laughs> Got one more day of work. So fun. Um, and I'm really excited to go with one of my besties and have some gal time and a vacation in the sunshine, tan this ghostly face. You're like the new um, Beyonce. You're just like a world traveler now. I'm here, just there, came back and from Arizona, baby. and I'm just gonna like, like jet off to Florida. No big yeah. deal. I'm basically bi-coastal, and you know you can't catch me. Can't nail me down. You know. Um, just kidding. And then I'll come back and like be here forever, right. and yeah, just crying at work. <laughs> yes. What else? Um, yeah. Um, my other rose is that. 
cats. Um, we're getting insulation blown into our house right now. So if you hear anything in the background, that's that. <laughs> Big thing right there. Mass save, uh, I'm telling you. Yeah. That's an ad. That's a promotion right there. They've yeah. done it for our house too. It makes a difference. Yeah. And like, it's crazy how much money you get off through that program. It's wild. We love to see it. Yeah. Um, more money for my bi-coastal lifestyle. <laughs> yes. For the yachts and the jets. That's right. <laughs> oh, yes. You know. Um, my... I don't even remember what I said last night for my bud and my thorn. Um, I think my bud is still my like ever, ever, probably forever evolving mental health journey. Mm -hmm. um, because like, did I do half of the things that I was said that I was going to do to like make it better? Absolutely not. Um, but I will be texting my therapist. I want to say it, yes. speak it into existence and right. see if she has availability to start up again. And I have been trying my darndest to, um, try to like not spend so much time on my phone and like on like screens, I'm like a child, like less screen time, um, yeah. for like a couple hours before bed kind of like calm my brain down because I feel like even if it's like you're not comparing yourself or you don't think that you're like playing the comparison game like it still is just like information overload and if you're an anxious person like it's too much stimulation for your brain yeah um so I've, I've been really reading nice. I've been journaling that's awesome so that's that's the bud um okay. what did I say was my thorn your unicorn horn Oh yeah. And that, that still rings true today, 24 mm. hours later. Um, I, we're not doing video, so you cannot see, but I have a underground pimple that is slowly making its way above ground. And it's just like painful. One of my clients called it out today. He literally, he's like older and like, it just says the most unhinged things all of the time. <laughs> And he just looked at me and he was like, so you had a rough weekend. And I was like, what? what? Like, I literally, I mean, I like straight up don't have rough weekends anymore. Like yeah. I have like, yeah, I had a rough weekend because I had like two glasses of wine and that right. gave me a headache the next day. And then like made another comment. I said something of like, uh, like get that out of your head or get your head out of the gutter. And then he said something about like, oh, well, I'm not the one with something on my head and like just stared at my pimple. And I was like, can oh you? Oh gosh, you yuck. No, thank you, sir. Wow. Rude. So I feel attacked by my body and the outside world. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my gosh. But then, so why we're calling it a unicorn horn. Why don't you explain that too? Because it's like smack dab in the middle of my forehead and like. Didn't he call it a unicorn or did we make that up? With texting oh, today, yeah, yeah, he did. He said that – I think he called it a unicorn horn also. All right. So you know what? We're just going to take it as a win. We're going to take it as a goddamn compliment. Yes. And be like, thank you, sir. Poke you in the ass with my horn. Yeah. I'm unique and magical and majestic like a unicorn. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. And you know thank who you. else gets pimples are teenagers. So basically, I'm a young, fresh teenager. Just yeah. like beautiful skin, you know? Yeah. Botox who? <laughs> Have you ever gotten Botox? I did one time 
this, it sounds so janky every time I say it out loud, but so this like very nice med spa place, like Botox place in um, Boston, they run like promotions on their Instagram and I won yeah. uh, like treatment, like the like 11s oh, wow. and the forehead. So I got yeah. it. So I'm like, it's for free. Why not? But then anytime I say like, oh yeah, I got it for free on Instagram. Like that sounds so sketchy. <laughs> You're like, I've told the whole story. This isn't a quick one. Yeah. That's hysterical. But wow, I didn't know that. Know that. Yeah. Yeah. It it's like one of those things ago. that like goes away, right? Yeah. You're supposed to do it every like few months, but it just like, it was fine. I guess I like liked that I, I did look more youthful, I guess, but like it yeah. also was weird, like not really being able to like be expressive because I feel like I'm a very expressive person. That makes sense. And I didn't, I mean, I don't like needles. I almost passed out, even though it didn't hurt because I just am a wimp. And it like made, like, I kind of understand the like spiral that you go down mm -hmm. where like, okay, you get this one thing and then you feel like you need this other thing. And then this other thing where like they did it. And like, I never noticed this about myself, but one of my eyebrows is like higher than the other really and, i bet yeah. everyone's is honestly right i don't think most people unless you're like a supermodel have like a perfectly symmetrical face but uh -huh. then they like showed that to me and then <gasps> fixed it with the botox and then i was like oh my god new insecurity unlocked like wow <laughs> how dare you wow uh, yeah but that's right. good to know that's good to know thank yeah. you for sharing that i could take it or leave like, there's like parts of me that will randomly be like oh my god I could totally get Botox and then I'm like hell no because I would be the same thing like oh and now you can do this and that and this and that so yeah good to know yeah totally um okay no sorry like I totally it, like, threw a wrench at you so no. did you say your oh yeah you said it all wow yeah you. it's your turn girl it's my turn. Okay. So how do I catch everybody up to speed on my war that I went through? <laughs> yeah. The other Literally. reason why we're not releasing um, or why we didn't record our hubbies on the pod episode right. was- Because I was in crisis. Yeah. So on Thursday night, this is obviously my thorn. On Thursday night, I, Chad and I had dinner. We had buffalo chickpea wraps. And about 10 minutes later, I said, oh, my gosh, I'm so full. I do not feel good. Long story short, I'm, like, sitting in bed, and I'm, like, oh, my God. Run to the bathroom, throw up. Felt a little bit better. I'm, like, okay, whatever. Got back into bed. Hell no, sister. This girl was in it for the money. I was in the bathroom all night long, throwing up no. every 15 minutes. Join the poopy pants club. Like, didn't even know. We're it glad to have you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for this. It's not an accomplishment Welcome. I thought would be so soon. I was really like trying to manifest back to like our senior years. But speaking about it, I guess the universe heard. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, it was like. Really, just weeks later. <laughs> yes, just weeks later. The universe, like, sure. Of all the things you talk about, I'll give you this. Um, yeah, so we got food poisoning or the stomach bug, and it was tragic. It was like we were just both of us. So it hit him like a few minutes after it hit me, and we were both just an abomination and throwing up all night. Um, at one point, I was like begging him to call 911 because I physically oh. couldn't get up. Like 
Annie's screaming because she can't sleep through the night at 10 months old, believe it or not. <laughs> By now, you would right. think that that would be a thing. But, like, here we are. Um, anyway, so, yeah, she was, like, crying, and I, like, physically couldn't get up. So it was scary. I think I was, like, actually fainting. I was mm. I was trying to, like, army crawl to her room. I couldn't even do that. It was really terrifying. We were calling our friends and family at, like, 3 a.m. Um, I had never been that sick in my life. So fun story we made it out the other end so that is that's a that's good news um but I was like down for the counts I had like my friend come over on Friday thank god bless her little soul um she took Annie for for a couple hours of the day and then my sister-in-law took her all night on Friday and I've literally never had Annie sleep anywhere but with one me or Chad um so that was like speaks volumes um and then even Saturday, I was still so tired. Um, and then we just, we had plans to get together. And obviously we just couldn't because I couldn't even get my body up to do that. And honestly, no one wanted to hear me speak because I still to this day am having trouble thinking of words. Uh-huh. Um, so it was for the best, I think. I think that I need to let my body recuperate. And hopefully by that time, we can interview Mark and Chad and it'll be even better. I mean, yeah, we need to have you on your 100% A game for that because we need to be hitting or asking the hard hitting questions. And we need to be warriors. Yeah, we can't be like fresh off a uh, poopy pants. Yeah, experience. You can't have shit stains still on your undies, girl. Like, no. get the big panties on. You gotta have those nice, clean, big panties on mm-hmm. with you know, have some conviction. That's right. That's so right. Can- Drag those boys through the mud. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's going to be so nice and loving. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we will get to that. Um, But my apologies. I was unwell, but now I'm getting better. Uh, So that was definitely my thorn. What do you mean? And I would say my bud is just kind of like recuperating my body. I feel like these are, you kind of look at it as like an opportunity to be like, all right, well, like where can you fit nutrition back into your diet now that Mm -hmm. you're kind of like sucked dry? So I'm like, making sure I'm taking my vitamins and like turmeric with my pepper and my, you know, yada, 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 my dandelion root that I love to take. I've, I've loved to um influence it out to the wild. Yes. Um, and just kind of like getting all of those things back into my body. So I'm excited to kind of try to, to nourish myself again. Yeah. So that would be my bud. And I would say my rose are all of my little helper bees that came in at our really difficult time of need. I feel like I know my family is a little like not traditional to say the least, but I have the best like support system, you know, like I have amazing friends and I do have family members that like, you know, help here and there, which is awesome. Um, But it's really cool to see like I had friends drop off food and Pedialyte and people were texting me all day, like checking in. Um, so I'm just so thankful for the people that we do have, my little built-in family. Um, so I'm gonna say that that's my rose. It's just yeah. my my little my little created family. I love that so much, and that's honestly <laughs> even I don't want to say even more special, but it's special in such a different way because it's people that like you're not just like stuck with. <laughs> it's you're truly yes. choosing. And there's yes. no like obligation. So that's really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Um, but I'm excited to hear this episode. I did try to start to listen to it this morning, but for the 
a jumble. So do you want to kind of like tell what we're what we're about yeah. to listen to? I'm really excited for it. Yeah, totally. Um, I also want to piggyback off of your rose and add that like, because I, I feel like I mentioned it yesterday, but it was not easy for me last week to be so open and honest about the like mental health struggles that I have been going through and was like definitely deep at the bottom of when we recorded that episode um but people were so so sweet and the amount of people that like reached out and could either relate or just wanted to offer like some kind words it it, like just meant the world to me because it's not easy to do that and it definitely made me feel less alone so i'm hoping that at least me opening up about it made some other people feel a little less alone um and it's like it's like the rain or the weather it's like never lasts forever it always you know sunny day will always come around so it's yeah. not all good or all bad but it's always changing so yeah i yeah. know i um one of my good friends texted me when i was like not feeling well too and she said this too shall pass and i feel like it's like the saying yeah. for both of our scenarios of like totally when you're in the shit, either you're sitting in shit in your pants or you're in a shitty mental space. Yeah. Like, hang on there, sister. Yeah. Like, you can do it. And you're right. There are some, like, incredible people around us. So, but yeah. I am also thankful that you shared your story with us because we've all been there. That is for sure. So, we'll yeah. just keep sharing it. Exactly. Help each other get through it. But actually, um, some of what we talk about in this interview Um, definitely relates because we have a licensed therapist local to Boston um, on the pod and I'll do a full intro once we cut to the interview but we talk a lot about um, how to kind of build resiliency like in your character by getting through some tough stuff like this and really um, you know putting your nose to the grindstone or whatever that saying is and like pressing through the tough stuff and she kind of gives some ways in which to do that we break down um the different attachment styles and how they kind of come through in romantic relationships and friendships and how you can kind of um you know work through your attachment style if you know a lot of times it's based on like our prior experiences or childhood trauma or whatever it is um and how either that attachment style that you might feel is like hindering you or like these narratives that we create in our mind of like, oh, well, I can't do X, Y, and Z because I'm this type of person. Like how to not let those things hinder you and to just like work to your strengths and that kind of thing um, to find successful relationships and, you know, a happy life. Um, We talk about dating red flags and how to select a partner wisely. Um, That's a good So much good stuff. Yeah. She's amazing. I, I felt like it, I re-listened to it um, yesterday when I was editing and truthfully recorded this interview very long ago. So it was cool <laughs> to go back and like remember what we talked about and feel yeah. like re-inspired by it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So I hope that you guys enjoy. And we also have a really exciting um, little interview coming your way. So we will Ooh. we will get there when we get there. But look forward to to more from us and in the meantime listen away girlfriends we will talk to you soon enjoy bye
Today's guest is a Boston-based licensed independent clinical social worker who primarily works with members of the LGBTQIA community who struggle with depression, anxiety, gender identity, sexuality, relationships, and other emotional issues. Prior to entering private practice, she gained experience in hospitals and outpatient treatment centers, and she currently works with college students as they, as they navigate life transitions and develop their self-identity. She uses an integrative approach that combines skills from cognitive behavioral therapy as well as dialectical behavioral therapy, and she emphasizes a strong focus on the mind-body connection in her practice and is passionate about physical health as it relates to mental so well being oh my gosh you're doing a lot <laughs> welcome to the podcast thank you so much i'm really happy <laughs> to be here <laughs> i'm so excited to have you how are you doing today yeah um i'm doing really well um that was a mouthful uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good um, thing you're doing a lot yeah it is and it's it's helpful when I speak with clients because um, I really do try to tailor my clinical approach to everybody's individual needs. Um, so it's nice to have a lot of skills because yeah. you can constantly sort of like pull from different modalities and approaches to totally. figure out what works for everybody. I love that. So we're going to do a little bit of that today. You're going to mm -hmm. help us fix all of our lives, um, or at least understand ourselves a little bit. As we more do deeply. every day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what you're doing out there, just fixing lives. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so excited for this conversation because I feel like you hear snippets of a lot of this stuff, whether it's on a podcast or like a quick 30 second TikTok or something. And a lot of it can kind of seem, I don't know, sort of like buzzwords and Mm -hmm. Good that we're talking about this stuff, but I just feel like you're going to give us a much more deeper understanding of it. Yeah. And how, yeah. how it can like help us in our relationships, romantic and otherwise. And even like we were talking before um, this interview, how it can like help you figure out what you might need in terms of like self-care even. Yeah. When we look at all that stuff as very like one size fits all. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I definitely feel like, um, there's a lot of this that is just really tuning into your needs and what it is that triggers you and makes you feel secure, makes you feel anxious. Um, what about, uh, relationships and dating is fearful to you and really getting at the root of why, what is that true fear? It typically comes down to either a fear of abandonment, being yeah. left, uh, being alone, or sometimes the other end of the spectrum, which is the fear of engulfment, where you lose your sense of independence and agency, um, and almost feel smothered by somebody else. Um, and that's a lot of where the fears boil down to when you get to the root of it, but it's very hard to, uh, again, like boil it down with all of the, uh, all of the dialogue and the, the complications of life. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Is. is it also kind of related to like these stories that we not like makeup doesn't feel like the right word, but these like narratives that we have about ourselves, whether it's dating life or otherwise of like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm not a commitment person or I'm like, you know, X, Y, and Z. Mm, yeah. I think a lot of times, um, 
I mean, in psychology, we talk a lot about our interpretations of events. It's not the event itself. It's the way in which we view that interpretation and the way we view that interpretation comes from the history of our culture and our upbringings and our core values and our beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people do fear commitment, but again, a lot of people do things with fear. And I think that's something that we always have to remember. And that I challenge my clients to do is like, you might have a fear, but that doesn't need to direct you. You can, you do a lot of things with fear. People with fears of commitments buy houses. People with fear of commitments have pets. People with fears of commitments get married. Um, So I don't know if it's ever the fear or the thing that is a barrier goes away or you just learn to manage it. Yeah, 100%. Like, I feel like it's that whole thing of like feelings and emotions, even if they are negative feeling ones, like it's all okay. It's just information that your body is giving you or your brain is giving you or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be so polarizing. Um, awesome. Well, let's get into it. So let's talk about what the different attachment styles are, what they kind of look like in our lives, where they might come from. Yeah. So, um, attachment style attachment theory was first studied in the seventies, um, by John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. And, um, they were two psychologists who did this. Uh, if you look it up, it's called the strange situation. And it's, um, it's basically observing children with their primary caregivers. Okay. And what they found was that the first two years of infancy with your primary caregiver and how you attach to that person really sets up the foundation for how you will have adult romantic relationships in the future. Those Mm. first two years of infancy. Just two. That is so crazy. And it's also scary because I feel like every few years you hear of a different like parenting style or suggested approach to like, let them cry it out. Don't ever let them cry it out. Don't do this, do this. And it like seems to change all the time. Terrifying. I know there's a lot of like attachment parenting or um, what, what's the other one that is in that movie? Um, what are you, a marsupial mom or? Yeah, you hear like, are you a, like a, a helicopter parent? Yeah. I mean, recently I've heard of the snowplow parent. Oh, what is that? The snowplow parent is the one who moves, who uses a snowplow metaphorically to move all of the frustrations and adversities and struggles of life aside. Like they just snowplow over them. Okay. Yeah, those exist for sure. Yeah. They just try to wipe away all the problems for their kids. Um, Yeah. And how does that end up for them? Like. Well, <laughs> uh, resilience, uh, a lot of research says that like resilience is what builds confidence. So if yeah. you don't have anything to push through or overcome, it's very hard to build resilience. And those resiliency skills are what. Yeah. Like coping mechanisms. Yeah. Coping skills. Yeah. I think that has that been like a really popular thing <laughs> in like the, I guess, a lot of like Gen Z's maybe because my older sister works at UNH and she works a little bit with students in like, like freshmen, um, like 
advising. Mm -hmm. Um, and she said that like, it is wild, just the amount of anxiety and like lack of coping skills that like the majority of the kids that I guess they're not kids, but like young adults that she sees deal with. Oh yeah. I mean, I see it all the time in college. Like these kids are not equipped for a lot of the life struggles that come with independence. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's almost like a lack of grit or ability to sort of like push through, um, uh, push through or overcome those difficult feelings. Like there's not a lot of tolerance, like a window of tolerance for tough feelings. Right. And like, anyways, us like tough feelings, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. So let's talk about like the different attachment styles. Yes. So there's avoidant, secure, and anxious. Okay. Those are like the three main oh. attachment styles avoidant. Okay. Um, those folks are the ones usually sending mixed signals. Um, mm-hmm. They value their independence greatly. Um, they are typically, um, yeah, they, they're just, they're people who want to avoid commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, and they typically use like different types of distancing strategies, whether they know it or not, sort of keep their partner at an arm's length. Um, they're really a big emphasis on boundaries. Okay. Um, they kind of have a, a rigid view of relationships and like a lot of uncompromising rules about relationships. Um, they don't always make their intentions pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also have some difficulty talking about their emotional and experience or their internal world to their partner. Interesting. What are some of like the avoidant like tactics that you mentioned? Um, maybe like potentially saying something like, I don't want to put a label on things mm. or, you know, like all of those like stupid yeah. things we hear when we're dating. Are like most cis men avoidant because that feels like a pattern. <laughs> right. Okay. So there's, <laughs> there's some common, um, avoidant strategies, um, that, people typically use I mean it could go from anywhere from like you know being really busy I think that's a huge one these days yeah um, am I uh, avoidant <laughs> <laughs> it's easy it's like oh when are you free oh in three weeks right um you know maybe flirting with other people you know okay. it's it's basically anything that kind of keeps you like emotionally disconnected from a yeah. person Totally. And what are some things that like lead people to become more of that avoidant attachment style? So like I was saying um, about those two years of infancy. So the reason why those are so pertinent in development is the research says that that is when you're learning about the world around you on mm-hmm. the most basic human survival level. Yeah. So when you cry, does your caregiver come to you? Mm-hmm. Um, 
does your caregiver anticipate your needs? Do they know what you need? Like if you need food, if you need a nap, if you need your diaper changed, like very basic. Yeah. Um, you're learning like how to trust the world. So, um, when you smile, does your caregiver smile back to you? That mirroring yeah, that happens between babies and their caregivers. Yeah. Um, are you bonding? There's a lot of, um, research that talks about bonding with your baby just because you've given birth to this human doesn't always mean that it's easy to bond yeah which is a an interesting phenomenon you I mean I remember my mom actually totally. having to go to a therapist um with my brother because he was a very colicky baby yeah and he did not like to be snuggled Aww. and that was her natural instinct to call like to protect and, and to love him but that's not how he connected with her yeah or I feel like sometimes moms maybe it's like postpartum or whatever where they're like I hear about this undying connection this intense connection and like I don't feel that like what is wrong with me mm -hmm. which is good that like now people talk about that more instead of just like suffer but right and is that kind right. of like why they suggest especially like for dads like the skin to skin mm. bonding like early on too mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's it's sort of like getting to know your baby what do they like like a lot of babies love to be tickled some babies hate to be tickled okay a lot of babies like to be um cuddled some babies don't like to be cuddled I mean so the avoidant I mean what they say is and avoidance is like these babies didn't get their needs met and they learned to live without they learned oh, okay. to self self-soothe and self-regulate which is a good thing but to an extent that they were like I can't trust the outside world mm. and I'm just gonna do this on my own it's so crazy like it is a toddler being jaded by the world like <laughs> yeah. it's crazy how early that can happen it is. It's interesting. Like in the strange situation uh, case from the seventies, um, the avoidant babies, they, um, they didn't know if their moms left or came back. Right. They were chilling. <laughs> like, so crazy. Yeah. Um, whereas the secure babies, they yeah. would look to their parent and if their parent gave them the okay, like this place is safe, then they would go explore, but they would look back at their parent almost like um, a check-in. Yeah, totally. Like, okay, I trust, I trust that you're not leading me astray, but I also like- mm -hmm. Right, and when a stranger came into the room, that was a guys with a strange situation. When a stranger came into the room, they would check with their mom and then the mom would say, yeah, that's a good person to go over to. And then the baby would happily go over to the stranger. The avoidant baby didn't care who was in the room. Right. It's like, I got and me myself get, and I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then the anxious baby was typically very colicky. Um, anxious when mom left the room. Anxious when mom was there. Um, anxious with the new person not quite sure where they belonged. Yeah. I mean, okay. So let's talk about what the anxious and secure styles really are. Yeah. So the anxious style, um, is typically someone who has high anxiety and wants 
high, um, and high. I need to look at this chart again, actually. There's a, yeah. there's a four-dimensional chart that's one scale is anxiety and one scale is avoidance. Yeah. So when you're high anxiety and high avoidance, you're the avoidance. If you're <laughs> high anxiety, low, low avoidance, you're okay. anxious. Yeah. So you want to be with your person all the time. Oh, yeah. Anxious. You're preoccupied with them. You're constantly like scanning the room. Where are they? Am I okay? If I'm, I need to look to them all the time to know what my feelings are. Right. 100%. I don't trust myself. Yeah. Um, is that like kind of where like fear of abandonment comes in? Yeah. So this is like that preoccupied person, like always needs to text back. Like, why haven't they texted me? It's been an hour. Right. Like lacks a level of security of trust mm -hmm. of... like if my partner's not texting me they don't like me anymore yeah yeah totally like go down those like spirals mm -hmm. they typically also have a really hard time explaining like what's going on with them in, in terms of how they feel um and there's when I talk to people who are very anxious they're almost like expecting the other person to just know okay. you just know how I feel yeah should know what's wrong where does that come from do you think i don't know i'm actually i'm not quite sure where that yeah. comes from i wonder if that just comes oh. from like if you loved me you wouldn't have to i wouldn't have to tell you what i need right which i think is something that like a lot of people maybe regardless of their attachment style like put that on their partner too much yeah, yeah for sure for sure. Um, I think the anxious person like constantly needs reassurance, um, expresses a lot of insecurities and worries about rejection. Yeah. Um, wants a lot of closeness in the relationship and typically feels unhappy when they're not in a relationship. Interessant. Okay. And then secure is just that, right? Like, yeah, they're kind secure. of that middle ground is that middle ground you're pretty flexible you're you're okay with you're okay without um you make decisions based on yourself um you're pretty reliable and consistent in relationships you don't have a lot of fears around being close to people yeah um you communicate pretty effectively you feel um like you can share your needs and wants without it threatening the relationship yeah um you're not really afraid of commitment or, or dependency. Like, you know, that that's part of being in a relationship in general. Yeah. Um, you can naturally express your feelings for that person. You're not really playing a lot of mind games. Um, so a nice, even keeled. Yeah. Nice. Even keeled human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also interesting because like you can be secure with one person and be extremely anxious with another. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I definitely wanted to talk about like how this comes in when we're dating and like, okay, maybe you listen to this episode and now you're like, oh my God, this guy is totally avoidant. Is it like, obviously it is not our job to fix someone, change someone, whatever. But 
it's like, who are we most compatible with? Do you stand a chance with someone that is like that? Or should you just write it off until they kind of figure that stuff out for themselves? That was a lot of questions all in one, but. Right. Right. Well, I think the avoidant person would probably disappear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the anxious person would probably constantly try to like play games to win their interest or attention. Okay. And the secure person, you know, honestly could go either way. The secure person might see like what's really happening here and then would make a discernment as to whether or not it feels worth it for them to put time and effort into that relationship and or remove themselves. Right. Um, and I, know I mean, you, honestly. No, 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 you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, it doesn't ever feel good to have to inspire or encourage somebody to meet you on the bridge of a relationship (laughs) it never feels good and like really if that's where you find yourself it might just be time to (laughs) move it along um and i definitely say that without any judgment from experience because i have been that person so many times like trying to get someone to step up or change their way of thinking or like always feeling like it was me that wasn't enough for those other people when really like those people were just not in a headspace and they were doing me a favor (laughs) but when you're in your early 20s Mm -hmm. it's hard (laughs) trying to date a lot of potential and then you realize you can't date potential no yeah I know that's what all like my friends now we're just gonna have a therapy session for myself I guess amazing (laughs) my like friends and family would be like Mandy it's just so it's so nice how you see the good in everyone I'm like that doesn't feel like a good thing the way that you're saying it (laughs) (laughs) oh I know and I I've had so many conversations where you have to hold two very uncomfortable opposing truths which is this person does have potential and they're not where you need them to be yeah and like potential great but that is not a guarantee that they are going to fulfill that potential and it's not your job to like push them towards that Mm -mm. no I always say like you cannot change anyone you cannot save anyone you cannot be anybody's everything and you cannot be everything to anyone and if you're trying to do any of those four things it's likely to end poorly for you (laughs) a million percent I wish that I knew you when I was like 18 I wish I knew me then too (laughs) (laughs) yeah right exactly it's so crazy. It's like, I feel like I have done all of those things at different points in different relationships, like dating someone that had a really horrible family life and had nothing or anybody supporting them except for myself. And I remember like my mom pulling me aside one time, like I was 18, like a child. She's like, are you okay? Like, this is too much for just you. Like you cannot be all of this. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, no, mom, it's fine. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't fine. And I've been there as well. I've been in relationships when I was 18, 19, 20, um, where 
I just wanted it to work so badly that I put myself aside to, and I honestly really lost myself and I lost some yeah. years of college that I could have had a lot more fun and a lot oh, more totally same. because I was caretaking and reassuring yeah. and assuaging jealousy and oh, the literal worst. Once someone is telling you what you should or should not be wearing and accusing you of wearing certain things for other people, if not before that, it is time to go. Yeah, I know. Jealousy is a tough feeling because it's like, I think it forces people to have the urge to control because it's a fear. And when, when anxiety, anxiety is fear and anxiety loves control. Fear loves control. It's anything that you can do to make something known when something is unknown. And jealousy is just that. It's a fear of losing a resource that you feel that you need for survival. Yeah. That's such a, like, such a good way of putting it. Like, it makes so much sense. Um, But, okay, let's fast forward to, like, today's dating world where so many people, most people are on dating apps or like a good majority of people are at least swiping through them if not actually going on dates with these people and we talked about this a little bit of how so often like you run into that same type over and over and over again and it's like not to generalize but to generalize like the guys that are just like acting interested and then won't set a date to actually mm-hmm. meet up or you go on a date and they ghost or, you know, um, let's talk a little bit about that. Like the attachment type that you typically see on dating apps, kind of how to like spot that, what to do about totally. it. Yes. So anytime you're on a dating app, the pool of applicants, uh, will potentially be, are more likely than not to be avoidant because they're the ones who are entering the dating cycle more often than not. Uh People who are in and out of relationships go in and out of dating apps. They're more likely to be on them. So you're more likely than not to like be be with someone, find somebody who is more on the avoidance spectrum. Yeah. Um, That's just the odds, unfortunately. Um, And then Sorry, what was, what was that? <laughs> no, you're good. Um, Dating. I guess kind of like how to spot that. Yeah, well, you know, that's in those... tough. That's really tough because it's like how do you, I mean, I always look for, I look for people who are not using defensive language right off the bat. What do you mean um, by that? Like if people are on their profiles are saying something like, I don't do liars and cheaters and, (laughs) you know, like you swipe and it's all, you know, like, you're like, who hurt you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you look like when you're seeing a profile, you're just like, who hurt you? Literally. Um, that feels like a red flag to me. Um, if people are putting out their Instagram or Snapchat, um, on their dating profile to me that feels like a lack of a boundary yeah um that feels a little too uh personal too soon so that's a red flag that I also look for yeah that's Um, That's a good one yeah just it kind of shows a lack of discernment in their own like ability to um slowly give out their intimacy 
yeah depending on where, like when how long you know that person um also like a lot of if you see a lot of like shirtless pictures um that's <sighs> another thing I typically try to avoid just because I agree to me it shows insecurity mm-hmm. um and that insecurities typically to me seems like an anxious something anxious you're anxious yeah. you're tr- you know you're trying to put your best foot forward like ex- too much too soon yeah Okay, I want to go back to what you just said about intimacy, because literally, I don't know, 30 minutes before we got on this call, as I do, I was wasting time scrolling through TikTok, and this clip, I don't know what podcast it was, but it was the podcast interviewing interviewing Jeanette McCurdy about her most recent book, or her, I don't know, only book. Um, which talked a lot about her abusive mother um, and her lack of boundaries. And they were basically saying something along the lines of like, there is no intimacy without healthy boundaries, because if you have no boundaries at all, then it's sort of that anxious attachment. And Jeanette was saying like, I was taught my whole life because our relationship was just so like unhealthy that if I had boundaries with someone, it meant that I didn't love them enough because I shouldn't have to have any boundaries with someone that I love. I should just be there for them however and whenever Mm -hmm. they need me, Um, which I just thought was so interesting because I think sometimes we are sort of sold that idea of unconditional love and intimacy and relationships just being kind of that like all engulfing that you were sort of talking about Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that yeah like you should be selfless and giving all the time or you should yeah especially as women too I think we're kind of taught that like you're supposed to be everything for everyone Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Women are supposed to be everything for everyone. It's fucking exhausting. I'm tired. It is. It's <laughs> not okay. Um, but yeah, I that that makes a good point in terms of like avoidant is almost like rigid boundaries, too many boundaries, keeping that person away from you. Yeah. Um, whereas anxiety anxious attachment is no boundaries. But you know, and then secure attachment is flexible boundaries. Yeah. Um, limits are love. Right. Because it's a way of sort of like expressing your needs, right? Like, yeah, of course. Like, can you tell your partner I need space tonight and have it not threaten your relationship? Right. Right. And then you're also giving them the opportunity to feel comfortable to then give the same back to you. Mm -hmm. So there's no resentment, open communication. Right. No is a gift. Yeah. Honesty is a gift. Yeah, totally. Because if not, I mean, that stuff always bubbles up some way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to say that emotions are the opposite of gravity. Like what goes down will come up. Mm. Um, yeah, that's real. And a lot of times your feelings are sort of your, um, you're getting a calling. Your soul is kind of giving you an assignment. And it's like, what what is that thing? What's that mission? What's the assignment that I need? What is the calling that I need to answer to? Mm -hmm. Um, and what is that feeling within me 
and it might be a night alone. And can you share that with a partner without them feeling rejected, dejected, discarded? Yeah. Um, you would hope. Right. You would hope that they could give you that. Right. And I think as long as it's communicated in that way, like it's not a mean thing. It's just, no. I'm a human. <laughs> like, yeah. I need to recharge <laughs> a little. Yeah, but I think a lot of people um, with anxious attachments definitely feel, and women in general, feel like saying no is something scary. They can't say no. They're not allowed to say no. Yeah. Um, if you think about how women were raised, we were raised to be nice and polite and sweet. And yeah, think about like even babies when you're like trying to get babies to smile at strangers or give strangers hugs or kisses or, you know, whatever, like they don't have a choice in the matter. Yeah, it's so true. I feel like that's something that's changing or at least like you mm -hmm. see people talking about like make sure your child knows that they have at the very least like bodily autonomy and they can say no thank you if their creepy Uncle Bill wants mm -hmm. to give them a hug and they don't want to hug them. Like it's not mm -hmm. rude. It's okay to say no. And totally. it's true. Like I feel like you're taught to just be agreeable and quiet and well-behaved and well-mannered. Um, okay, well, talking about things that we know we should do, mm -hmm. um, one big <laughs> thing that we're told that we should do all the time is self-care. Um, but I think that we see it as mm -hmm. this like one size fits all, take a bubble bath, put on a face mask, you're good, self-care. Um, but like, we're all different and we all need different things at different times. So I would love to kind of hear your take on like definition of self-care, like how to nurture yourself at different times in your life, depending on like maybe what your attachment style is or your like personality kind of type is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a lot of my anxious clients, I always encourage them to date themselves yeah. as their own self-care. Take yourself out, take yourself to, move, you know, take yourself out to dinner, set up a date night with just you, um, get really comfortable with independence because, yeah. you know, we come into this world alone and we die alone. And I hate to say that because it's depressing and cynical, but it is true. But um, it is true. Yeah. And we live in our brain all day long. We have to like it in there. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of what I encourage is like making it a calm and homeostasis type of environment in your body, in your mind. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. It could be community care. Community care is more like um, I need to go take a work, do a workout class or an art class. I need to be with people. Yeah. That's community care. And then self-care is like, I need to recharge my batteries alone. So mm -hmm. um, taking care of yourself can look like going out to a party or social event or texting a friend. Um, and then it could also mean more of like recluse retreat, right. spend like, some time alone. It's okay to say no to plans because I know that I've been really anxious and I need to like stay home, get my favorite takeout and like watch one of my favorite movies or like read a book. And mm -hmm not see anyone all weekend long and that's what I need yeah and and that's something that you just need to check in with yourself about like when what are your red flags of I'm not paying attention to myself 
that's what I think self-care boils down to is how can I pay attention to me and where am I neglecting me? Yeah. And how does it make a difference in my life? Like, am I becoming irritable and short with people? Am I, is my attention diverted in a million different directions? And I stop being mindful and I'm losing my keys and my phone every second. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like a time. Okay. I got to refocus because I'm all over the place. Right. And like, that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, that's how we lead to burnout and everything too. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you were talking about when we talked earlier and you were talking about the self-care like wheel? Yeah. So when you check in with yourself, it's like, where am I lacking and what do I need? A lot of times I I tell people to go through the HALT uh, acronym, which is hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Mm, Like check those boxes off first. Are you hungry, you angry, you lonely, you're tired? Like get these basic needs met. Yeah. Um. Then, you know, you can look up a million self-care wheels. You can Google one, but they typically have um, different pie slices mm-hmm. that help you rate different areas of your life in terms of how um, fulfilling they are to you. So there's usually like a relationships category or like a romance category, a family category, a money category, an emotional intellect category, creativity category, Um And, you know, you can make one yourself of like the most important things to you or like how you bolster up your, your, your state of mind and sort of fill in like, where am I doing, what am I doing really well? Like, I'm really good at taking care of my physical health, but I'm not so good at taking care of my financial health. Like I'm really good at taking care of my intellectual health. I I sign up for conferences. I read self-help books. I do this, but I'm really not good at taking care of my, um, you know, my relationships, they're lacking right now. Yeah. I love that. That's good homework for everybody right now. (laughs) Make yourself a self-care wheel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I, I like to also explain investing in emotions, invest, investing in your entire emotional profile. Mm -hmm. So if you are only investing in your happy, comfortable emotions, you're not going to grow. So what would you like give some examples of investing in like the darker, tougher emotions? Yeah. So um, that might be a feeling that continuously recircles that you continuously push down. Mm, Um, It continues to bubble up and then you put it away. And my strategy um, or the thing I try to like, encourage clients to do a bit is to like let's fill the threshold for your ability to sit with that feeling slowly like let's bring it in I want you to sit with it I want you to feel it yeah um because if you don't give yourself the opportunity to feel a scary emotion you will continuously avoid it you will um bury it you will use substances to numb it you know so it's either there or it's numbed yeah or avoided so you got to tolerate sitting with it a bit yeah totally and like um, what is that balance and i know it's different for everybody but if there is a way to generalize at all like a balance of sitting in it and dealing and 
not letting it become like a long-term wallowing. Because I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people are afraid to sit in it and feel it because they feel like it'll never, like once they're in it, that is it. And like, they'll get sucked into it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. I think it's hard to remind yourself like feelings are temporary and they will not hurt you. Yeah. They're uncomfortable to sit with, but they will not hurt you. Um, another thing is like, I always say like, you can be down, but you're not going to stay down. Yeah. Be down, honor that feeling, sit with it, wallow in it. And then the next day, get up. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's tough. And these are things are not, you know, I'm not saying this, like I expect it to be easy. I also, you know, understand that we might just be have to sit with that feeling for like 10 seconds. Like I might encourage a client to bring up that anxiety. Like imagine you walk in, um, you know, to a classroom and you're late and everybody looks at you. That's a lot of what I work with my students. Just sit with that anxiety for just a second. Okay, great. You just coped ahead. You just had the feeling. You brought it up. You took a deep breath and you regulated it. Right. Right. And like, you're proving to yourself, like, okay, what's the worst that's really going to happen there? Like, it's going to be uncomfortable, but you'll get through it. Right. I mean, that's what courage is. It's bravery plus fear. Right. Yeah, which I think is also a misconception. Like, being courageous doesn't mean not having any fear. No. It's like having the fear and, like, continuing to move forward. Right. Not letting it direct you. Yeah. And I think boiling down things that people do or don't do, it all comes down to a fear of a feeling. Mm-hmm. So much of it is a fear of a feeling. I don't want to make someone feel some way. I don't want to have to feel some way. I don't want to have to deal with feeling some particular way. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so simplified, but it is so spot on and makes everything feel a little bit less scary and less serious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like what would you do if you didn't have a fear of feeling sad, abandoned? hurt right guilty taking us to church lauren <laughs> well and it's also like, like a better version of it yeah no, right it's not, not, not the religious version yeah. <laughs> um but it's also like when you feel that feeling um trusting that you can get through it and i think the less you give yourself opportunities to get through it the less you'll trust yourself to know you can yeah you have you have to try and I, I don't want people to feel like if I've ever felt anxious in a relationship, it means I'm an anxious attached and I can never be secure, you know, or yeah. I'm in the feeling of like avoidance and therefore like I'll never be able to open up and be vulnerable as someone. Um, that's not the case. Um, you can work. They're all based in fears and you can work through all of those fears um, by talking them out and, and thinking about what it truly is that is scaring you. Yeah, totally. And I think of what you said too, of like your attachment style might be different with different people. Like maybe you're really anxious because the partner that you're with isn't meeting your needs or isn't Mm -hmm. like maybe you're with someone that's avoidant. So it's making you anxious. A hundred percent. And that happens a lot. Avoidant people typically find anxious people. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
that pursuer distance or dance where the more one person pursues, the more the other person distances, the more that person distances, the more that person wants to pursue and latch on. Um, it becomes a sort of like circular dance where no one, um, no one gets their needs met. Yeah. Um, so fun. <laughs> I know. And if you think about it, like, oh, great. I remember this is like a little bit of a tangent, but I remember taking psychology 101 and we were learning about operant conditioning, whereas like the positive reinforcement and the negative reinforcement and then intermittent reinforcement. So basically the idea was that like, if there's a rat in a cage and they're pressing a button and every time they press the button, they get a treat like every single yeah. time, they're only going to press the button when they want to treat when they're hungry yeah. and they might even get bored. Yeah. If the, if the rat presses the button and never gets a treat, it's going to give up. Right. But if you sometimes get a treat and you sometimes don't get a treat, almost like the addiction of gambling, mm, yeah. the hope that you might get it this time. Yeah. That, that is the strongest form of, um, reinforced behavior. That's how you train mm. dogs. Yeah. That's how you keep anxious people coming back by sometimes sending them a text message and sometimes not. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like you're describing like so many stupid situationships that I was in in my early 20s. <laughs> Where like you sometimes get the treat and you sometimes don't get the treat. So you're always going to try because there's such a mixed right. message. Yes. Um, okay, this was amazing. Let's wrap it up with a quick little rapid fire as we do. Um, okay, so one non-negotiable in your day. Oh, that's a great question. Um, breakfast. Yeah. What's your go-to breakfast? What's a recent Ooh. fave? Um, I would say steel cut oats with berries. Okay. Love that. I always have to have a really good breakfast. It's my favorite meal. I know. I really am the same. Um, something that you do that you know will always boost your mood. Mm. Moving. Some type of movement. Yeah. yeah. Even just getting out of bed and stretching. 100%. Going for a little walk around the block. A little walk around the block. Yeah. Some fresh air. Yeah. Change of temperature, change of movement. Love that. Okay. So I've asked this question to a lot of people that have then looked at me like I am crazy and unstable, but some <laughs> people really respond to it. So we'll see how you do. Um, what is your go-to movie when you need to let out a good cry? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, Probably my best friend's wedding. Oh, yes. Such a good one. It's classic. Such a classic. Yes. And, you know, that was my first love movie where, like, she didn't really get the man at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But there was this acceptance. Right. That everything was going to be okay anyways. And I think that's what I love about it so much. Yes. Because it's so different than most love movies where it's like, Happily ever after. It all works out always. Yeah. She was able to really appreciate each person without having to possess or like own them as yeah. hers. Have you ever seen Someone Great on Netflix? <laughs> yes. I love that movie. Yeah. That is one of my go-tos. And I feel like it's the same thing. It's like they don't end up together 
and it's so heartbreaking but it's like she knows that like that's just it and they can have their memories and mm-hmm. he's there for a reason oh gets me that's fun. such a good movie it's so good i also love her oh, she's amazing yeah. that's where i first heard lizzo yes yeah that's when truth hurts like became yeah. popular <laughs> which also like oh they blessed us with that genius movie genius um something that you wish that you could tell a younger version of yourself don't take yourself too seriously to the point where you're not like putting yourself out there and trying yeah Yeah, I think I wanted to be too perfect so I never tried and it's like I never messed up because I was too afraid to even yeah look silly yeah I think lots of perfectionists deal with that um but we're unlearning it we're unlearning we learn and unlearn all day long yep um and then last one finish this sentence i'm almost always the first i'm almost always hungry um i'm gonna go with something a little bit more profound um it doesn't have to (laughs) i'm almost always giving people the benefit of the doubt like i think I'm yeah. trying, I try really hard not to take things personally and I to like see um, what that person's going through in their own life that's made them act or feel or think in a particular way. Yeah, I love that. Like everyone is going through something. So it's easy to just make snap assumptions or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. We're all human, just trying to figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Um, well, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much, Amanda. This is amazing. And I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, also hype yourself up. If people want to work with you, how can they do that? Yeah, so I'm on zencare.com. Okay. Um, so it's sort of like a psychology today or a therapy den. It's just another um, search engine for therapists. So yeah. if you look me up, um, you can contact me. I usually do like 10 minute to 20 minute free consultation. So happy to talk to people about what they're looking for, what they like in a therapist, what they don't like in a therapist, some goals that they're going through. Um, if I'm not a good fit for you, I will help you find someone who is. Um, so I would go to zencare.com and then search my name, Lauren Bell 40. Um, my LGBTQ adult group is also on that website. So if you're interested in more of a group therapy dynamic and you're a queer individual, um, you can also, um, inquire more about that through Zencare. Love it. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Thank you literally so much for listening to Literally Nothing Matters. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Literally Nothing Matters Pod. Find us on TikTok and watch our full episodes on YouTube. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review about how incredibly entertaining it was or share it on social media or send it to a friend like, oh my God, I found the best new podcast. You're going to love these ladies. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, quit stressing because remember – Literally nothing matters.